Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to ultimately land. And there are also four additional references that are not in your, on your handout, but if we could have that on the screen so you can jot those down, if you have that prepared, Bonnie. There we go. Oh, they're one at a time. So uh, Matthew 6.33, we'll be referring to a comment made in Matthew 6.33, as well as 1 Corinthians 9.23, 2 Peter 3.9, and Colossians 3.23. So, Bonnie, if you could just leave uh, one up there at a time for, for a brief moment to allow everybody to jot those down. Uh, but that's Matthew 6.33, 1 Corinthians 9.23, 2 Peter 3.9, and Colossians 3.23. Anybody have any, anything that you are presently not happy about in life. Something that is angering you. You're you're mad, you're upset about it. You're frustrated. And you're working, you're working to change it, to correct it. Something that you're anxious about, worried about, scared about. Something you're sad or depressed about, just it's on your mind, you're concerned about it, and you're, you're putting every bit of your energy into fixing it, and some things don't require other people's involvement, and those things are a little easier, but some of us have problems that other people affect. Anybody have a problem that other people are affecting right now? Okay. And you're trying to not only fix a problem, but you're trying to fix them, right? Trying to get them on the same page, them in the same place. You're frustrated, angry, sad. And sometimes as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we, we wrestle with those emotions, you know, because we know that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God, right? And we know that we're called to be peacemakers and gracious and gentle and kind. We know that we're to be anxious for nothing, right? We know that we are supposed to have the joy of the Lord, you know, and, and, and so being sad is kind of counter to that. And so we uh, feel guilty then, right? We got angry, sad, anxious, and then we start to reflect on if we feel guilty that we feel those feelings. And we go back and forth wrestling with that. Some of you have wrestled before the Lord praying through that. We go back and forth. You know, I shouldn't be angry about this. No, I should be angry about this. I shouldn't worry about No, I should worry about this. This shouldn't sadden me. No, it's reasonable that this saddens me. We go back and forth with that. And did you know that the things, these, some of them, the things that you are so concerned about now, And I know that you have a running list in your head right now, right? If I were to ask you what's concerning you the most right now, most of you, you have a, an idea in there. And did you know that it's actually okay that that concerns you? Did you know that? The idea to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer doesn't mean that we can't have things that concern us. Jesus was concerned, wasn't he? Jesus was a man of many what? Sorrows. Jesus got upset in the temple, upset with the Pharisees, didn't he? 
So there are times where it is reasonable, the things that we're concerned about, they do matter, they are important, aren't they? It is important for me to be able to pay, pay my bills, is it not? Right? I need to be able to pay the utilities and pay the rent or the mortgage. I, I need to be able to pay the taxes. I need to be able to pay the, the, buy the groceries. Uh, isn't it a pain that we have to keep eating and eating and eating and eating? It doesn't just come for free. You know, we have to pay for the gas that goes in the car and the insurance that covers the car. And we have to pay for all and the maintenance to keep up the car. They're important, aren't they? We have to take care of those things. We have to take care of certain relationships, family or friendships. We have to deal with those things. We have to deal with our job and we have to perform the job. We have to deal with our health. We have to physical, emotional and all those things. These are things that are important, aren't they? These things matter. That's why they bother us. That's why we get frustrated, because these things matter. But what do we do with those things in light of Jesus saying in Matthew 6.33, and we've said this, quoted this statement many times here, when Jesus said, all these things will be added to you. What are the things that will be added to us? All these things will be added to you are the things that we're concerned about. Because in Matthew 6, he's talking about that you are concerned about what you will eat and what you will wear and all the different earthly matters. And he's not saying that these things don't matter. That Jesus doesn't care about these things. All these things will be added to us. The only challenge is, is that what he said before that wasn't if you work real hard at your job, manage your money, exercise, diet, take care of things, deal with your relationships, then all these things will be added to you. That's not what he said. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. Your stuff's included in that all things. Did you know that? The stuff that's right now in your mind that you're worried about, concerned about, trying to fix, trying to resolve, those things fit into the all these things will be added to us. But they will be added to us when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And some of us are frustrated that things aren't getting made right. And I wonder if we really are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now the question is, how do we define seeking his kingdom? What is that to seek his kingdom? Is it to make sure that I spend some time praying in the morning? Is it to make sure that I read and study his Bible, the word of God? Is it to make sure that I'm involved in church and those kind of things? What is it to seek his kingdom? Well, in 1 Corinthians 9.23, Paul tells us that I do all things for the sake of the gospel. The pursuit of the kingdom is the pursuit of the gospel. We saw that last week, did we not? In 2 Corinthians, we saw that he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that Jesus died so that he can enable us to be ambassadors for Christ, so that we can do the ministry of reconciliation, so that we can minister to, serve, and plead with others to try to persuade them to get reconciled with God, to be in a right place with Him. Seeking the kingdom is seeking souls, is seeking the lost, is seeking people who are 
following Christ, but helping them to continue to go down that journey. The heartbeat of God. That's why 2 Peter 3.9, Peter said this, The Lord is not willing that, all, that any would perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is the heartbeat of God. And so when we are worried about the bills and the paycheck and my health and, and the pain that I feel that I don't know where it's coming from, is it cancer? Is it, is it, am I dying? What is it? The anxiety and the depression and the fear that we feel and the relationships that are getting hard and difficult that have been lost and all of the things that we're wrestling with, we're trying to fix them while all the while there is Jesus saying, all these things will be added to us if we seek first His kingdom in his righteousness. There is an illustration that I, I heard and I've shared it with some of you. I don't remember if I shared it here. Uh, that Jay Werner Wallace, he's an apologist and he's also a retired uh, cold case detective from Los Angeles County, California. And he shared this analogy that when he was on the force, if they got a call that there, there's been shots fired and officer is down, they're rushing to the scene of that issue. And they might drive by people who are speeding, running through a, a red light, breaking various traffic laws, and those things matter. But I, I'm, I'm driving right past that because there's something more important i got to get to. Or I might spot someone breaking into a car or breaking into a home but there's shots been fired. Officer is down. That's important, but that's not as important. i got to get onto that scene over there. And there are things in our lives that are important that need to be taken care of. But we live in a world today that is quickly walking out of the church, walking away from following Christ. We're in a culture that's quickly rejecting the gospel, rejecting the word of God. And here we are fighting about what kind of songs we should sing. What style of preaching there should be? What kind of programs we should have? Fighting about things that, you know, interpersonal conflicts and those kind of things. When meanwhile, shots have been fired, officers down. There are people who are lost that need to get saved. There is a mission that needs to be achieved. And we're fighting about stuff that they matter. But not as much as stopping the mission for. When we have loved ones that are dying... And we know that they're dying. Sometimes someone, you get the time to know that they're, they're dying and you get the time to do what you need to do because they're, they're passing from this earth. And when that happens, you're not worried about making sure your house is cleaned up because you know you have limited time. i got to go and see that person. We're not worried about that they were, they were just really mean to us a month ago and we're still upset about that. We're not worried about that. Because while that matters, that's not as important as right now they're leaving us. And we need to make sure that we're there with them making things right. And we need to begin to see, that's why Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. We need to begin to stop being so worried about taking care of so many things. The words 2,000 years ago, Jesus said those words. And still apply to us today that here we are still frantically trying to take care of these things. And there is, I'm telling you, not that everything will be perfect and everything will be taken care of, but I'm telling you 
that you will begin to see more things fall into place in our lives if we start seeking the kingdom. Not just praying, not just reading the Bible, but beginning to fulfill the mission of the gospel, we will begin to see, because some people say, where are the miracles today, right? Where are the miracles? Where are the great things that used to happen? Where's the great, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit? Where is the move of God? Where is that? That move comes when we begin to do the mission. If we're just sitting back and doing nothing, there's a reason why we're not seeing the things. And again, not that everything will be perfected, but the mission needs to get done. The mission needs to get done for the Lord. The mission needs to get done for other people. Other people are relying on you, on me, on us to do something. The mission... I heard that. That's okay. <laughs> she said, mm-hmm. The mission needs to get done for us. You know, not that we need to be self-centered and always focused on us, but there's a reason why Jesus said, all the things that you're worried about, all these things will be added to you. You will be taken care of. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you know what's interesting about that? It's not a magical formula. It's not a, well, if I start witnessing, then that means that I'm going to get everything that I want. It's not a magical formula. In fact, it actually makes perfect sense if we think about it. If we start, you and I, start doing the mission, and we start trying to serve other people to try to help them and others help us to get into a place where we're in a flourishing, healthy, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ and we're living that out. I want you to think for a moment a society filled with people who are in that position. Because people who follow Jesus, what do they do? They love people. They care about people. They serve people. They help people. And then all of a sudden, I am doing the mission, and other people are starting to get on board, and all of a sudden, people begin to come and meet my needs. And people begin to support me and help me and get, get to be there for me. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize that I had sought first the kingdom of God, and all these things were added to me. Seeking the mission is for your own benefit, let alone for the benefit of other people. But we are just scratching our head, trying to figure out the problems, what's wrong with our culture, wrestling, fighting over different things, and just trying to make it. You know, just trying to survive this life. When there is Jesus saying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But you don't understand how busy I am. You don't understand how much pain I'm in. You don't understand how strapped I am financially. You don't understand what a sacrifice it would take for me to participate in the mission. You don't understand that. And yet, oddly enough... I mean, certainly Jesus wouldn't call us sacrifice, would he? I mean, we know he did, right? Sacrificed himself. He who is God for all eternity, dwelling in heaven, didn't have to deal with the headache of this earthly life that you and I deal with. And he sacrificed being above all of that to enter into it. 
to put up with the, the, the filth and the pain and the misery that you and I deal with. He sacrificially dived, dove into that. And then he was rejected, mocked, ridiculed, de dealt with conflict after conflict, and then was brutally beaten and mauled and executed, one of the most horrific deaths. And then was separated from his father, whom he had never been separated with for all eternity. He sacrificed for what? For the mission. Isn't that what we just read last week in 2 Corinthians 5? Jesus died so for the ministry of reconciling us with God so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus sacrificed for that. Well, that was Jesus, and Jesus is God, and Jesus could do that. He certainly wouldn't call us to sacrifice. Well, then why is it that Jesus said that if you want to be my followers, you must pick up your cross daily and follow me? Now, does Jesus expect us to be crucified literally? No, not necessarily, though some of his disciples were. But then Paul was later inspired to write in Romans 12 that we are called to be a living sacrifice. That while we are not necessarily giving up our lives, we're sacrificing our time, our energy. We're sacrificing us being hurt. You know, sometimes we're so focused on making sure nobody hurts me that we don't sacrifice and do for the mission because we want to make sure we're okay. She just wants to replace me to preach, or he does, out there. <laughs> don't worry about the wrestling match that's ensuing at the moment. We are sacrificing for the moment to allow children to be with us. Well, we work to try to pay attention despite that kids are being kids, right? So we sacrifice for the kingdom. Are you sacrificing the kingdom? What time have you given up? What, what energy? What have you put up with? What pain have you pushed through? Because Jesus certainly pushed through pain. To sacrifice for what? For the mission. And we might say, well, but... Those people don't deserve my sacrifice. Do you understand how horrible of a person that guy is or that woman is and how they treat me, how they talk about me, what they don't do for me? You don't understand. Why should I sacrifice for them? I've done nothing wrong to them. Why should I sacrifice for them? And yet, Paul was inspired to write these words in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. As for the Lord, rather than for men. So your husband, who is a pain in the neck and drives you crazy, you are to treat him the way the church should treat Christ because Jesus deserves it. Not because that rascal deserves it. That wife of yours who drives you crazy. You are to treat her as Christ treats the church. Not because she deserves it. But because Jesus deserves it. That boss of yours. That you'd like to tell him a thing or two. You're not going to tell him the thing or two. And you're going to work with all your heart, mind, soul and strength for him. Not because he deserves it but because Jesus deserves it. That neighbor of yours 
those children of yours, those, those parents of yours, people in your life, that church of yours that you're part of, that lousy, stinking, no-good pastor of yours that never does anything for you, pastor. You're going to serve those people not because they deserve it and not because they will ever, ever recompense you, not because they will ever, ever do anything back, but because Jesus deserves it. We will service the mission not because we're getting anything out of it, not because there is gain, but we will service the mission because whatever we do, whatever we do, we do with all our might as to the Lord rather than for men. For, verse 24, for from him we will receive the inheritance. For to him we'll be called to account. When you, if you've ever, anybody ever work in customer service in one form or another? Have you ever in customer service dealt with a customer that was not deserving of good service from you? And you gave them good service. Why? Because you knew that if you didn't give them good service, that boss of yours was going to have a thing to say about it. And so you did it to please the boss, not for this guy who didn't deserve it. You also knew that that boss of yours held on to the paycheck. That was going to be released to you based on how well you serviced that customer. And so you did it for him. The same is true for the way we service the mission and live our lives and serve others. We do it because we know that Jesus holds the paycheck. Oh, it's not a literal paycheck that's going to go into your bank account. It's one that's filled with treasures much more glorious than that. And we will be held to an account before him not based on how that person treated me, but based on how I serviced the mission. So then how do we do this? How do we do this mission thing? Well, that's where we're going to land in 2 Corinthians, or Philippians chapter 2, sorry, Philippians 2, the first four verses. And you might read those first four verses and think, well, what, what do these four verses have to do with the mission? The gospel mission. doesn't seem like they're talking about the gospel mission. Well, let me tell you to note the context that these four verses sit in. The vast majority, if not the entirety of the first chapter of Philippians, is all about talking about the gospel mission. We are doing the gospel mission. You have been a part of this gospel mission. Other people are doing the gospel mission. I wish everybody was doing the gospel mission. Some people do the gospel mission for horrible motives, Paul says. I urge you, I encourage you, read Philippians 1. Some people do the gospel mission for their own selfish gain. And you know what Paul said? you got to stop those guys. Make sure they don't do that anymore. No. You know what he said? I praise God that the gospel is being preached, that the mission is being pursued. Because it's not my responsibility to make sure that the people around me are doing it for all the right reasons. And how many times today do we get in the way of the gospel mission being pursued because they don't think the way I think? They don't have the same kind of heart that I have. They don't have the same ideology or theology that I do. So then I need to stop them. They're not acting the way I would act. And besides, I don't like them. So I need to stop them. I need to stop supporting them. I need to get away from them because they aren't whatever. 
And those things might be important, but we're not called to correct all of those things all the time. We're called to seek first His kingdom. The mission must come before all the other secondary things. Philippians 1 is about the mission. If you read the remainder of chapter 2, Paul begins to describe that you and I, if we do this right, we live as lights shining in the universe. Does that being light sound familiar to you? When Jesus said that you are the light of the world, and that is linked to the mission because we are the light so that people might see our good deeds and glorify our Father, that they would be in a right relationship with Him. It's about the mission. Chapter 3 then begins to talk about our, our, our individual relationship with Christ and begins to say, because some of us might say, what, I can't do this mission because I haven't figured out my own life yet. I'm a mess. i got things falling apart. How am I supposed to do the gospel mission? And Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward what is ahead, knowing that I am imperfect, I still press on to perfection. That we keep striving and pushing and trying, and we do the mission even though we're a work in progress. Anybody here a work in progress? You got some things figured out, but other things not quite so much. Some days went really well, you nailed it, and other days you fell apart and ruined that whole thing. But we keep going after the mission. Chapter 4 of Philippians is about financing the mission. And Paul expressing his gratitude that the Philippians were helping finance the mission of the kingdom of God. Because the whole letter is about the mission. And in the midst of the mission, Paul says these four verses, and in them he tells us how you and I are going to need to go about the mission. And he says first in verse 1, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy. And then he will go on to talk about the mission. If you've received anything. Now sometimes the things we receive come directly from the Lord. And sometimes the things we receive come from somebody else serving the Lord and ministering to us. Is there really anybody in this room that can say that you have never received any comfort from the Lord? You have never received any love, any help? Any support from the Lord? I know there's days where it feels like there's nobody there for you. But are we saying that the Lord's never done anything for us ever in our lives? But here's the the confusing part that, that sometimes we miss. When the Lord does a work in us, strengthens us, grows us, makes us better, resolves things, stabilizes our lives, when the Lord does that, we sometimes thinks, think that he does that just so that we can feel better about life and so that things can be better in our circumstances. And did you know that he does do that partly for that reason? The Lord loves you. Did you know that? He doesn't want you to be stressed out, anxious, angry, sad, depressed. He doesn't want you to be that way. And so he will come along to help us. But that's not the end of that 
journey, though. If we have received from the Lord, then we are to be about the mission. The reason why people have come into your life, the reason why the Lord has come into the life, your life to stabilize you, strengthen you, provide you, help, for you, help you, is not just so that your life can be better. He came in so that you could have something to offer to other people so that you can fulfill the mission. And the reason why many people get passionate about the Lord, excited about the Lord, they start doing things for the Lord, they start following the Lord, and then before they know it, they start looking around and they start thinking, this doesn't feel as great as it used to feel. I don't feel the same level of energy or strength, the same level of support. Something feels different about this. I'm not feeling as satisfied. And we start looking around trying to figure out what's the source of me not feeling satisfied. Where did it go? And at that moment, you know what we're focused on? We're focused on me, my needs, my wants. Why aren't they being met? I want excitement. I want passion. I want the presence of the Lord. Where is it? I want it. We start focusing on us. And you know what happens when we start focusing on us? All these things are no longer added to us. At some point, we don't have any more what we used to have. And that's when we start finger-pointing. That preaching's not good enough for me. That worship's not good enough for me. They don't have enough programs for me. Those people aren't loving on me, caring for me, being there for me. And we start pointing fingers and blaming. And you know what happens before we know it? We're focused on all these things again. And we're no longer seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't misunderstand me. It's not that these needs don't matter. It's not that Jesus nor I nor others don't care about our things. But if they're ever going to truly be met, the person who knows that is the person who decided, I'm dedicating my life to the mission. That person gets it. That person begins to discover that, boy, there is nothing in life better than servicing the mission. And many of us sit here today, and the reason why we are not satisfied is not because there's not good enough preaching, good enough worship, good enough programs, good enough people in my life. It's because we're not seeking first the kingdom, the mission. We have been strengthened for it. We have been given wisdom Gifts and abilities for it. And what does Jesus say with the parable of the talents? The person who has been invested in and given, who decides to hold on to that thing for dear life, what does Jesus say about that individual? That the judge will come or the owner will come and take that person's stuff away from them and give it to someone who's going to use it. And so the reason why some of us have become stale and apathetic and lukewarm is not because we haven't been given the resources to make us capable of doing the stuff. It's because we started focusing our needs and we stopped worrying about the mission. That's the first step in this. And if you are weak, then it is our responsibility to make sure that we're seeking everything we can to get strengthened up. And stabilize. Study the Word. Get involved in Wednesday and Sunday and be here and be present and seek those things so that we can have something to offer to other people. Then verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, 
being in full accord and of one mind. Now, other translations end that verse with uh, intent on one purpose. Same mind is biblically. We are supposed to think the same way, and that is biblically. If it's not in the Bible, we don't need to fight about it, right? The Bible's not clear about it. We don't need to worry about it. The same love. We are passionately seeking Jesus Christ, right? We are one in that. We share the same mission. So this is where that shots fired officer down analogy comes into play. Where there might be other things that are important. But I'm not going to fight with that person. Is there anybody that you don't like? Is there anybody possibly in this room that you don't like? You'd rather not be around. (laughs) We don't fight with that person, though. We work to get along. We tolerate. We put up with all their issues. We unite with them. Why? Because we share the same interest. Because we think the way, same way. We approach life the same way. We enjoy the same things. No. That's not what unites us. Some common interest, hobby, ideology. That's not what unites us. You know, you know what unites us? We all want the same Lord. We all believe in the same word. We all are pursuing the same mission. They might be on the wrong side of the political spectrum in our minds. They might be on the wrong side of that opinion. They might not be nice to us. Besides, if they're not nice to us, that means I don't need to do them any good, right? If they're not nice to me, if they're not there for me, I don't need to be there for them, right? Or is it that we we do not work for men? We do it as to the Lord. And we are in the midst of a church today, and I mean that in us as well as in the church across the country and around the world. We're in the midst of a church today that's fighting over everything and failing to accomplish the mission. We are so worried about all these other issues, and we are not reaching people. That's the seek first. Do we need to deal with doctrinal issues and all of those things? Absolutely. But seek first His kingdom is the mission. And I need to decide that it doesn't matter if, if it's not being the run the way I want it to be run. If the program's not happening that I want to happen. If, the pre, if he's not preaching on what I want him to preach on. If they're not singing the songs I want them to sing. If they don't set the leadership structure the, up the way I want them to set it up, that's not what we're fighting about. It's the mission. And I am concerned with some people's judgment when they fight, face Jesus Christ Because some people think that when they just leave from one church to another and jump from this church to that church and leave one relationship to another relationship, they think they're just swapping jobs. When in reality, they're removing all the resources that they brought to the table financially, physically, abilities and skills, they're removing it from that body so that that body becomes weakened. And there are people that are damaging the body of Christ for the sake of getting their needs met. I need to get something out of this. I need my needs met. I need someone to be there for me. And we're damaging the mission for our needs. And we're reversing Jesus' words. 
We're seeking first all these things and then hoping that the kingdom will come. The reason why there's all kinds of problems in the world and it's part the preachers, but it's not just the preachers. It's not just the the pastor's obligation to advance the mission. We are all ambassadors for Christ. So let's stop squabbling over things that are not as important as the mission and let's get behind the mission. And then verse 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others. Now listen to this. He doesn't say count others the same as you. He says count others more significant than yourselves. That each of you not look only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. We need to learn how to transition from or move away from a self-centered approach to a more appropriate need-meeting approach. Do our needs need need to be met? Absolutely. Do we need to deal with different things in our lives? Like I said, we need to work a job. We need to pay our bills. We need to take care of our health, our relationships. We need to do all of those things. But we need to make sure that we're managing those things in such a way that they don't get in the way of the mission. So many people are not participating, being a part of the body of Christ. They're not advancing the gospel message because they are having to deal with these things. And I get it. We're scared. We're worried. Because we feel like these things are necessary, and they are. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, your Father knows that you need all of these things. But where's our faith? To trust Him at His word, that if we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, all these things will be added to us. Now this morning, I'm not going to uh, do our typical altar call time where I invite you to come forward and we worship a little bit and seek the Lord because there's something else uh, to do at the moment. But before we get to that, I'd like to pray with you that the Lord would help us to be about His kingdom. So if you would, for a moment, heads bowed and eyes closed. Again, we're not ending. i got something more to do with us before we go, but heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you're worried about all these things, it's consuming you, it's distracting you, you can't get to the mission because you're so worried about them and working so hard for them. And you're saying, Lord, I am just asking you for help to get above that and begin to put the kingdom first. If that's you, heads bowed and eyes closed, and you're confessing that, you're asking for help with your anxiety, your stress, all of those things, just raise your hand right now. I'd like to pray with you. Good. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. Good. 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 Or maybe you're just not sure how to go about this mission, and you're asking for the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to help you have the wisdom and ability and the confidence to step forward and do the mission. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Lift the hands for that. Good. Okay, anybody else? Good, good, good. Right now, the Holy Spirit is present in this place. And once, Jesus said, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus wants to give us the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. But it comes with the mission. And so, Lord, we're asking that you would give us the Holy Spirit. Breathe 
your breath of life into us. Help us as we feel weak and anxious and angry and sad and in despair and struggling, self-focused. Help us to feel the way you step into that with such love and such tenderness and such understanding. Heal our hearts and our minds. Forgive us for being lost, losing sight of what life is about. And help us, empower us, give us the wisdom. Help us to forgive each other. Help us to let go of things that aren't as important as the mission. And help us to rally with one another, unite with one another, and focus on achieving the mission. We'll get to the other things that are important but not as important down the road, but help us to unite around the mission so that we can glorify you and we can reach others. We ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So, for just a moment, we're going to get a little practical. And most of this is on the the printout that you have there. Because you might be wondering, well, I get the outlook and the attitude I'm supposed to have, but what am I supposed to do? What action am I supposed to do to unite with the body of Christ to achieve the mission? What am I supposed to do? And sometimes there are specific functioning ministries that are available that you can jump into and do. And other times there aren't, or other times there's just not something that fits what you would do. Or sometimes us as a church, we've not created a very clear pathway to land in your place of service. So then in the meantime, what am I supposed to do? Well, first and foremost, you did it this morning. Be here. Come. Be here. You just being here services other people. Did you know that? Because if half of you decided you weren't coming here today, it would affect all of us, wouldn't it? Think about it for a moment. How would worship How would this service have been for you if only half of us were here? And we know that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. We understand that, but it would affect us if you weren't here. And so, be here. But before I dive into more of that, I wanted to just describe, have you ever wondered, what is it it that we're trying to do exactly? Right? You know, so we're Bethel. Did you know we are Bethel? You know, while there is an organization, a registered organization that has that name, while some people look on the GPS and see that name belongs to the building, you and I are Bethel. Do you know that? For better or for worse, we are Bethel. And what is it that Bethel is trying to do? You ever wondered about that? What is it we're trying to achieve for the Lord? Well, what we are trying to achieve for the Lord is we're trying to make disciples. Do you know that? We are trying to help people, persuade people, guide people, and having a healthy, thriving, flourishing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. We're not after amazing worship, as amazing as Joe is. We're not, hold your applause. We're not after great preaching, as as important as those things might be. That's not our primary objective. We're not after programs, kids and youth programs and young adult programs and and income poverty programs and those kind of things. Though those things might surface from time and time again. That's not our objective, our primary objective. Our objective isn't to make you feel great about life. We would love that for you, but that's not our primary objective. 
Our objective isn't to make sure that you have everything that you need and you can pay all your bills, though we at times have helped people with that. But that's not our primary objective. Our primary objective is to try to help convince, persuade, service people towards having a healthy, thriving, flourishing relationship with Jesus Christ. We call that make disciples. Is that clear? Do you understand that? That's what we're after. So all our choices, all our decisions that we make are meant to service that. And the, the various ways that we will try to accomplish that, and these will unfold in time, is that we are going to try to serve outsiders, those who are not a part of the body of Christ. We're going to try to evangelize them. We're going to try to compel believers to be what they should be and do what they should do. We're going to try to, to support them. We're going to try to challenge them. Did you know that part of our mission is to make your life challenging? Part of our mission is to challenge you. And that's hard to do because in a, like a customer service orientation business, what's the, jo- the, the goal? The customer is always what? Right. You know, we want to make the customer happy. That's actually not our mission. We try to do that sometimes, and it's important to try when we can. That's not actually our mission. Our mission is to challenge you if you are not living up to what God has called you to. We don't want to leave you comfortable in, in a life that's not up to speed. So we will, we will approach you. We will correct you. We will... Uh, insist on things. And we can't make you do anything. You could choose to walk away from whatever you choose to walk away from. But we are going to do the mission. We want to equip leaders to serve and lead, and we want to train them and, and those kind of things, support them. But there, there are times that... Have you ever tried to do too many things at once? And what you'll find when you try to do too many things at once is you don't do good at any of them, do you? So as a church, we're going to try to start figuring out how to do a few things and do them as good as we possibly can. And those three things that we, too, are already doing is the Sunday morning service. That's one thing we do. Wednesday evening discussion group and outreach. Those are going to be our three focuses. Now, uh, Sunday morning, we do that regularly. Wednesday night, some of us do it. Some of us do not. Not naming any names. I know some of you really try and you have different issues and stuff. And outreach, we don't really do that right now. So that's something we need to piece together. And I have a team that, that I call my strategy team that, that is meeting with me every single week now for the past four months to work with me to figure out how do we do this thing? What is it that we're doing? And when we think about this service... The goal of this service, and we're trying to word out. Anybody good at, really good at words? Okay, good. Okay, so you're recruited. Um, <laughs> uh, we want to be able to word things in a way that's, that's, that's uh, attractive. It compels people to want to be a part of it, and it's clear, and people understand. But it's a work in progress. We haven't figured out the good wording yet. So pardon the rough draft on the description of what we believe this service to be. Uh, but what we believe this service to be is it's a connection service in that our goal is to connect you to what matters most while we're here. And you know what that is? We want to connect you to Jesus Christ. That's, that's one of our goals when you show up here. We want that to happen. 
We want to connect you to other people. You can connect with Jesus at home all the time. You cannot, cannot connect with others all the time. You have to be with them. So part of our goal is to connect you with other people. We also want to connect you to service. You have a mission. You have things to accomplish, and we want to connect you to those things. And some of you are saying, I don't want to do any more work. I retired, so I didn't have to do any more work. My kids moved out of the house, so I don't have to do any more work. Sorry, as long as you have breath, Jesus considers you still have a mission and work to do. And we want to connect you to growth, spiritual growth. That's, that's our goal. When you get here, that's, that's what we're aiming to do. That's why I preach. That's why Joe leads us in worship. That's why you have different people that are out there trying to make sure they talk with you and pray with you and those kind of things. That's what we're aiming to do. Well, where do you come into play? Here's where the suggestions come. Like I said, first, come. Be here. Just be here. All right? That's actually not, that, that one really struggle, messes me up sometimes. Because I get, like, if you're trying to, like, deal with an anger problem or an anxiety problem, that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to get in control of that. If you're trying to deal with lust, you know, those kind of issues, that's, that's difficult. You have drive, passion, that's hard. Trust issues, relationships, those are hard. You know what's not hard most of the time? Getting in the car and driving over here and walking in the building. I'll give you instructions, okay? You ready? You, you wake up, and you get into the shower. You groom yourself, and you get out, and you get dressed. You walk out, and you put it in a car that's a box, like a box thing that has four doors on it. You go in there, and you need a key, by the way. You plug that in the ignition, in case you didn't know, and you turn it until it starts. You shift in the drive. Then that's where Sonia comes into play. Or a bus. Right? And then when you get here, you pull into the parking lot, and you do this. You walk into the building, and you find a seat, and you sit down. I know that's real complicated, but that's how you do that part of the journey. Then you also do, and this is what I do. Did you know that sometimes that I get here about around 8 o'clock? Joe always beats me here because he gets here at 4. <laughs> but I get here around, no, 8.15-ish, somewhere around there. And I try to uh, save a relative amount of time to go hide in my office and prepare to deal with you. <laughs> I mean that partially kidding. Oh, everyone here I love. It's the people that miss the day. Those, those are the people that give me a hard time. Um, but I get myself ready because we're not supposed to just show up. Did you know that? We want to get ourselves ready. Sometimes we show up waiting for Joe and Aaron and Sean and uh, Molly and, and, uh, and Darlene to, to convince us to come into worship. That doesn't make worship great. What makes worship great is we already walked into this room ready to worship. Joe, wouldn't you love that you said, all right, let's start singing, and everybody started singing at the top of their lungs and shouting and praising God at the moment you uttered the first, pushed the first key, make his work easy. So how do I do that? Well, when you wake up, first in the morning, just a suggestion. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not sending drones out to your house. I'm not going to spy on you through your Alexa. The government might, but I'm not doing that. Remove anything that's not spiritual from your life just for that morning. Don't watch any TV shows. Don't surf the Internet. Just, just don't do that just for the morning. Because this is the Lord's day, and you're going to focus on seeking the Lord. Then add spiritual things to that day. So read your Bible 
Put on worship music. Okay? Uh, pray. Seek the Lord. And then talk, talk through with him issues that you're having, emotional issues, physical issues, concerns. Talk it through with him. Deal with those things before you come. We will love you if you walk into this place like this. We will love you if out of your mouth comes, my life is miserable, I hate my life, and everything's horrible. We will still love you. But you can choose the attitude that you have, and you can choose, Lord, help me through this. Help me resolve these things, and help me to walk into that place with the joy of the Lord and faith and hope of the Lord. Work through your people issues with the Lord, especially people that are in the church. That's biblical. Did you know that? The Bible tells us before you bring your sacrifice to the Lord, deal with your people issues. Deal with the people. So if that person that's going to be there, have you ever not gone, gone somewhere because you knew that other person was going to be there? Okay, That person's going to be there. Then pray about it before the Lord, before you come to get your heart right so that you can be okay with that person. Uh, ask the Lord to help you to worship Him in a way that honors Him. Do all of that before you come. What are you giving me assignments for? I don't get a paycheck for this. You're right. You don't get a paycheck for that. But you do get held accountable before God on what you did with your life. And you do get a reward based on that. Then when you're in the service, stay focused on the Lord during worship. Sing out loud. I know that some of you have wonderful singing voices that you don't use. And I know some of you have not so great singing voices that some use and some don't use. When Jesus said, make a joyful noise to the Lord, he wasn't saying, I'm, you're going to try out for the worship team. Sing, sing to the Lord, sing to him, sing out loud, sing. Aim to worship him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then during worship, talk with him through distractions. So if you're trying to preach a message and some child is pushing a play toy around the room and making all kind of popping sounds, you just pray through that, all right? Pray through it. If you're trying to worship and some kid's tablet is making a bunch of noise, don't go, can't worship the Lord today. There's some noise here, so just not going to do it. Not worth it. Pray through it. Work through it. Work through it. Don't like, somebody's going to have to kill that kid before we can keep worshiping. Don't do that. So-and-so keeps talking in the back. Someone's going to have to go, which never go to a movies with Cindy and Alma, by the way. They will talk through that whole thing, I'm telling you. <laughs> but pray through it. Stop, stop holding everybody else responsible for you worshiping the Lord. Do it. You, you might not think of specific ministries to be doing, but there are ways that you can service the mission. So come here and do those things. Work through those distractions. And then, don't come at 10 o'clock. I know some of you are wondering what I'm talking about because most of you come after 10 o'clock. Don't come at 10.05, 10.15. And if you come that late, we will tell you you need to leave. You're not allowed to be a part of the service because you came late. No, 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 we won't do that. We'll love you and we'll, we'll, we'll be great. But come here at 9.45. Why? What's there to do at 9.45? Talk with people. Minister to people. I know. God forbid that we minister to people. I mean, who's he kidding? I just came here for me. I don't know what he's talking about. 
Come here at 9.45. And if there's nobody to talk to, then don't come here at 9.45 and say, nobody's talking to me. Go talk to them. And if nobody's here to talk to you, guess what you can do? Pray. Go figure. Whoever thought to pray in God's house, that's odd. Pray. Spend some time in prayer. When the service is over, there's no Steeler game, by the way, because they didn't make the playoffs. I don't know if you know that or not. When the service is over, don't run for the door. Now, if you have somewhere you legitimately have to go, fine, we get it. And we're not going to judge you if you do that. But if you're able, stay around. Try to talk to a few more people. And here's some advice when you talk to them. Be friendly and be sociable. And then choose two people every week to talk to that you're going to pray with or try to encourage them and minister to them. You're not focused on you. You're focused on them. One person that you'll do that for every single week. So the same person every week. And every week, talk to somebody that you didn't talk to last week. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm an introvert. There's no way I'm going to do that. I'm out. That's not my gifting. Guess what? I'm an introvert, and I'm standing right here talking to all of you guys. And I talk to you guys one-on-one also, even though that scares the death out of me sometimes. Except for Molly. It doesn't matter if that's your gifting. It's your calling. Talk to people. Talk to them. And notice when you're trying to pick the person you're going to talk to today, look around for the person that nobody else is talking to. Talk to them. You'd be amazed how easy it is to miss a human being right there in the room. I will sometimes witness and watch and observe you guys, not because I'm paying attention, watching what you do or anything, but I will see right in the center of this section one person sitting there and eight people in the back, and nobody's talking to that one person. Now, it might be that everybody already went up and talked to that person, and that person said to all eight people, get away from me. It could be. I don't know. But look for the people that nobody's talking to. Look for the person who's sad. We will often run to the person who looks happy, won't we? That person looks fun. I'll talk to him. No, look for the person who looks sad, depressed, avoiding people. and Go talk to them. They're probably the one who, who needs it the most. And if you see someone new, go talk to them for sure, unless someone is already talking to them. We don't want to gang tackle a new person, okay? You know, a new person comes in, and all of a sudden eight people are surrounding them. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Why are you here? We don't want to do that to them. It's going to scare, scare some people all right out this door. So if someone's already talking to them, then, then that's okay. And I mean, use your discretion. Sometimes it's appropriate. And then when it is available for you to talk to the new person, then be yourself. Okay, don't try to be something you're not, but still be friendly. Okay, some of you might say, well, myself isn't friendly, so I don't know. No, you still need to be nice, okay? Be nice, all right? And then uh, service, look for ways to improve, help, fix, and jump in. If you see something around you that looks like some, that, that needs to get done, someone needs to clean that, move that, take care of that, help that person. Just if you see, like, I'm wondering why nobody's helping that person out to their car, then you go help them out to their car. Just do it. And be respectful to the people who are in charge of different things. So if you know someone's in charge of that thing, go and ask that person politely. Don't go and tell that person, listen, I'm running the show now, and this is how we're going to do it. No, just go and say, hey, I really noticed that this part's lacking. Can I help with that? Uh, and if they say no, then be respectful. Or if you think, I have no idea who leads that because we've not been telling you or we, we're not making that happen, then, then ask. Anybody know who's in charge of this? Anybody know? Um, and help. Service. Uh, add, to the, uh, add to the environment. So when you come into this place, be hopeful. 
Well, I came here for someone else to give me hope. Can I give you hope? Can Joe give you hope? I mean, we might be able to be a vessel, but where's the hope come from? Only Jesus can give you hope, life, joy. And so when you, before you come, talk with the Lord and walk into this place being hopeful, joyful, optimistic, focused on the mission. Because I'm telling you, if more of us walk into this place uh, like this, yes, we're here. Look, Gideon is here. Ha ha. Andrew's here. I'm excited. Instead of, hey. That affects us. Did you know that? You know, might be the one. And if you're sad, if you're dealing with stuff, then deal with stuff. But try to work, work on bringing something. You have something to offer. Did you know that? And you don't need someone to tell you what it is, and you don't need a clear route to pursuing it. And us as a church, we will try our best to get to that place to provide that for you. But you don't need to wait for someone. When you get at the judgment, Jesus is going to go, well, you're good. You're off the hook. They didn't give a program for you, so you're good. Go, all right. That's not going to be a response. So do, do these things. Uh, grow. Uh, pay attention to the sermon. Don't sleep. Uh, now, not that I've ever noticed anybody sleeping while I'm preaching because I'm such a fantastic communicator. But don't sleep. You have to go to bed earlier. Go to bed earlier. Now, I know some of you work throughout the night, and then you come, and, and, and I'm glad that you come. But, but don't sleep while I'm preaching because when I go home, I'm so sad, and that's the only reason I want you to do that. No, I'm just kidding. Because you're missing something when you do that. Don't sleep and try to get everything that you can out of it. Even if it's, well, that's not my kind of preaching style, and that's not the issue I needed to hear about. Stop it, Aaron. <laughs> He's going to sleep on me right now in my time of need. Um, listen to the sermon. Pay attention and get everything out of it that you can. And then throughout the week, spend time reflecting on it. Reread the text or the ver list of verses. Reread them and reflect on them and let God speak to you through it. If you miss the message or if you are downstairs serving at Children's Church, listen to the message, listen to the message online. There's a reason why we have it on YouTube, the YouTube channel, the Facebook page. We have it on the website. We have it available on iTunes and Spotify. All the mess messages are there. Listen to it. What do you mean? Listen to that on my own time? What's he talking about? I got other things I got to watch. You know, I got to binge watch my favorite TV show. Got to get that taken care of. I need more sleep in my life. Listen to it. Be, be involved in what's happening and pay attention. Now, lastly, here's where I'll leave you with. I only have 35 more minutes left to go here. Donovan. <laughs> I got my peanut gallery over here. Uh, just to give you just uh, an indication of where we're headed or where we're trying to go. Uh, our first step is we're trying to improve the big three. So we're going to be working to try to make Sunday morning as, as good as we could possibly make it. Uh, we're going to try to make Wednesday as good as we can possibly make it. And we're going to try to figure out a vehicle for outreach, get people on board, and do the outreach. We're going to try to figure that out. We're also going to be uh, trying, like I said, to get clear, precise uh, wording going on, compelling wording. We're going to try to figure out ministry oversight and try to make it easy for you to get involved in things uh, so that you know, uh, everybody knows 
uh, these are the things that, that can be done, and this is how I can get involved in that. Uh, this is going to take us eight years to do it, but just kidding. <laughs> things take, when you're working with people, sometimes things take, take time. Uh, we're going to try to begin to roll out uh, ministry dis- or contribution discussion groups where some of the things we've been discussing in the strategy team, we're going to invite some of you into those conversations, and you can tell us how we should do things. Aren't you excited about that? We're excited about that, because when you come and tell us what we should be doing, we're going to, after that, we're going to throw all that away and ignore it and not do any of it. I'm just kidding. We'll try to do some of it. Some of it we might not be able to. If it's not actually fulfilling the mission, we won't be doing, but um, we're, we're going to seek your input, because I believe that you have something value to bring to the table. Uh, we're going to, we're building a visitation ministry. Some of you have been recipients of that. We want to get to a place where everybody's being touched and contacted, and that is a slow process right now, but we want to be ministering and visiting people, and some of you might want to be a part of doing that, okay, uh, or, or calling people. I know we have different ministries that are partially uh, taking care of that, but we want to build upon that. Um, we want to figure out how to make it easy for you to become a member, because okay? some of you are not a member because you said, I don't want to watch 12 hours of Pastor Danny talking on YouTube to become a men- member. Not that, not that that's the case. But we want to make that easy for you, um, easier. And here's the problem. We don't want to make it so easy because there's a commitment level involved in it. Okay? So we don't want to just make it a uh, piece of cake. We're going to figure out how to align our leadership structure in a way that helps us function in a way that achieves the mission better. Uh, and then we're going to work on our communication. We want to make sure things are clear. Was I clear this, this morning? Boo. Your name is appropriate, by the way. <laughs> um, we, I, I hope that I was clear because our goal, I know this is a little bit uh, out of the ordinary way of functioning, but you, each one of you are ambassadors for Christ, and each of you are a team member. You're a part of the team. And I hope that we can all learn together how to, as a team, accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us. Amen? Despite how irritating everybody that's on the team is, we want to try to do that. Amen? Jesus put up with our failures and weaknesses and struggles. We can put up with others, right? Jesus put up with our insults. We can put up with others, right? Amen? So all of you know my cell phone number. So if you want to text me hate text messages, you could do that. Um, <laughs> but no, all of you know my number. Uh, if you don't, just ask somebody, because almost everybody knows my number. Uh, and contact me, and we'll start working on things and making things better. Will you stand with me? And I hope that uh, you will pray with me uh, that these things will take place. And if you are with me, um, feel free to text me and tell me you're with me. So that I know, and sometimes it's good to take an action to demonstrate that. Text me and say, hey, I'm with you on this. Okay? Uh, no, you don't. I mean, you can come, but I, I mean, yes, come, 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 come. come. No. <laughs> no, come. <laughs> uh, you guys can play as we leave uh, for us. Uh, but I need to know that you're with me. Okay? And some people have left us and are not with us. For any number of reasons. Um, but some of you were mean to me. You know. Some of you made some mistakes and weren't there and, no, and so forth and so on. I didn't leave. 
Uh, Pam just said, I think she's gone already, but Pam said to me earlier, uh, I was like, I'm glad you're here. And she, she was like, well, you're here because you have to be. <laughs> I don't actually have to be here, you know that. I can go try to pastor some other church if I wanted to. I could go back into some other kind of line of work. I don't have to be here. But you know why I'm here? Because we have a mission to fulfill no matter how difficult any of us are. And we need a lot of help to achieve it, don't we? So, Lord, thank you so much for these people who have been so patient with me uh, as I took up a little more time than normal. And I thank you for these that, despite my craziness and peculiarities, have been so with me in various ways. And I thank you, Lord, that all of us have our faults and flaws and strengths. I just ask that you would help us to unite together as one, to be the body of Christ, to put aside all of our differences and, and issues, and to be focused on achieving the mission. And I ask that you would help all of us to have the passion, the drive, and the ability, and the wisdom to achieve the mission. And as we do that, may we see people saved, filled with the Spirit, lives changed, a community transformed, needs get met. And may we see people getting in alignment with being in a flourishing, thriving, healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Help us to become that. We ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Uh, Worship as you go. See you next week.